former Ohio State offensive coordinator for approximately one month, Bill O'Brien, has been hired by the Boston College Eagles to serve as their next head coach. And with, I think, a high-ceiling quarterback in Thomas Castellanos, I think that Bill O'Brien has a chance to do really well, in the short term at least, at Boston College. In terms of long-term success, well, Boston College doesn't have much of that. But Ohio State has a history of long-term success. They are the most consistent and successful program in terms of average wins per year earned since World War II. And O'Brien's departure, I think, was a blessing in disguise because former UCLA head coach, former Oregon head coach, former Oregon offensive coordinator, and former head coach of New Hampshire when Ryan Day was quarterback, Chip Kelly, has been named the new offensive coordinator for the Ohio State Buckeyes. In less than an hour after the news broke of Bill O'Brien's departure, Chip Kelly resigned from UCLA and accepted the offensive coordinator job at Ohio State. I think that this is an upgrade over both Brian Hartline from last year and Ryan Day, working together as really offensive coordinators, along with Day being the head coach. And I think this is an upgrade over Bill O'Brien as well. And we're going to be talking about that all day today. But before we dive any deeper, welcome back, college football fans. This is not the offseason. This is the preseason. College football is a 24-7, 12 months, one year, all-around sport. And I'm going to be covering the Big Ten in particular, but college football as well, for as long as I can see down the road, as long as I can predict my future, because I love this sport. And College Football with Sam is the best Big Ten football channel on YouTube. Love to cover Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State, Nebraska, Minnesota, Iowa, UCLA, USC, Washington, Oregon, Rutgers, Illinois. You get the picture. Please subscribe if you haven't already. Like this video. Click the notification bell so that you can get notified when I release more college football content. And comment your reaction to this hiring in the comment section below. What do you think of Chip Kelly? What do you like? What don't you like? Are you a fan of his offense, the spread option, with more of a run-heavy look than what we've been accustomed to seeing under Ryan Day? What do you think? You likely have a viewpoint that I don't have, and by combining all of our viewpoints, we can paint a more accurate picture, typically. That's what I like about college football is all the, the peaceful conversation and fan input and passion. It's the best sport in the land. And lastly, if you want to support the channel, check out my Patreon page or my merchandise store via the link in the description or the pinned comment. We have USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Washington merchandise, team-themed t-shirts dropping soon. We already have all of those for the former 14 Big Ten teams, from the bottom of Indiana to the top of Michigan, who runs the Big Ten. We have all of that. And that's where we start off this episode, really, is that Michigan right now, even with all of their changes, hiring Wink Martindale as defensive coordinator, whom I don't know a lot about, so I want to do research. Video on that will be dropping tomorrow morning. I want to do research before I give my reaction. The hiring of Wink Martindale, promoting of Kirk Campbell to offensive coordinator, and 
Really, the biggest move of all is the hiring of Sharon Moore as head coach and the departure of J.J. McCarthy to the NFL draft, who I think could have easily used an extra year to solidify himself as an elite quarterback. Michigan is going through a ton of change. They're 128th in returning production. They've beaten Ohio State now for three years in a row. First two years were dominant performances where the Wolverines bullied the Buckeyes. And last year, without their head coach, with a cloud of doubt surrounding the program due to the the cheating, the sign-stealing allegations, Connor Stallions, who I affectionately call the sign-stealing wizard, and all of that stuff, there was a cloud hanging over Michigan, and Ohio State put on one of their best performances of the season, one of their best performances against Michigan under Ryan Day, and it was clear in that game that Ohio State adapted, and they did as much as they could to match Michigan in terms of style and physicality. Football's all about the style of the fight, not just about the weight, the height, and the athleticism of the fighter, which Ohio State, in theory, especially in 21 and 22, outclassed Michigan in size, in height, in hit power, in shiftiness. But Michigan's style was able to break Ohio State down. Last year, something changed. And it will probably change again this year with how much Michigan loses, how much attrition they suffer. But Michigan and Ohio State were pretty dead even stylistically last season. I think Michigan still had a slight edge, but Ohio State caught up a ton in style. Their defense was elite. They were more physical, even though it was laborious and heartbreaking to watch the run game at times. You could tell that they just had a different type of of willpower, Ohio State did in last year's team. And you saw that in the Michigan game. Every time Michigan punched them, Ohio State counterpunched. Well, the problem was Michigan was better at taking care of the ball. They were the more disciplined team, the more veteran team, and they were every bit as athletic and tough and NFL-ready as Ohio State was, perhaps for the first time in several decades. Michigan finally gained weight. They had a growth spurt, and they had more punching power. Now, Ohio State, while being 70th in returning production, a number that is far lower than I expected, but is mainly attributed to Kyle McCord and Marvin Harrison Jr. leaving, along with Tommy Eichenberg and Steel Chambers leaving defensively, Ohio State returns more production, Ohio State hosts Michigan, and Ohio State is a top 10 transfer portal class. Michigan's is not even top 50. Ryan Day needed to make, yet again, a significant change to ensure not only his long-term job security, but also the pride of Ohio State football. He hired Bill O'Brien, which I thought was a quote-unquote, what-are-you-doing move. There's Will Stein before Kalen DeBoer went to Alabama. There was Ryan Grubb. There's Brennan Marion. There's Isaac Newland. There's Scott Frost. There was even Chip Kelly. There was Mark Helfrich. And there are other names as well. Think of G.J. Um, Kinney, I think is how you pronounce his name. Maybe Kine or maybe Kin, and the E is silent. Head coach of Texas State, who ran an amazing offense with T.J. Finley last season in 2023, and they went 8-5. and five. He hired Bill O'Brien, which I thought was a mistake. But Bill O'Brien had greater aspirations. And he accepted the head coaching job at Boston College, which, let's face it, probably gives him 
long-term security. He can go six and six every year and be there for a half decade to a decade. Meanwhile, if Ryan Day, let's say, loses to Michigan once or twice this season and another game, maybe he moves on. And then Bill O'Brien's likely unemployed. Chip Kelly has nothing to lose. UCLA wanted to get him fired, but after he beat USC, pummeled USC, they kept him along. They won their bowl game and finished 8-5. and five. UCLA is well outside the top 50 in returning production. They lost a lot in the portal. Their backup tight end and quarterback Dante Moore. They lost much of their defense, including their defensive coordinator, DeAnton Lynn, who was poached by Lincoln Riley in USC. My way too early prediction for UCLA next year I'll give you a hint, that video is dropping in about a week, was 2-10, and 3-9. I thought they were going to be horrible and Chip Kelly would be fired. This is the perfect exit for Chip Kelly. You may not have guaranteed job security, but you can. You left UCLA on somewhat of a high note, getting them to consistently win 8-9 games. You built them back up. Now you can have a good gig make money, call plays, have some of the responsibility that you had as a head coach and CEO be alleviated from you. You're no longer the top dog, the top man in the program. And if you want to go back to being a head coach, this can probably be a one-year thing. Chip Kelly spent last season and the previous few seasons as the head coach of the UCLA Bruins. He had a mediocre 35-34 and record there. Nothing really special. And this past season, the offense stank. It didn't even score 30 points per game. In fact, it was the defense that carried UCLA last year, which is rather strange, but it is what it is. In 2022 and 2021, with Zach Charbonnet and Dorian Thompson-Robinson at running back and quarterback, respectively, and a good offensive line, and even offensive coordinator Justin Fry in 2021, UCLA was a high-scoring high-flying team, a team that went 8-4 and four in 2021 in 9-4 and four in 2022, and a team that in 2022 at one point was ranked in the top 10. They played competitively in all of their losses outside of, I'd say, on the road at Oregon. Even that was competitive for a half, and they handily beat teams like Washington, Utah earlier in the season, all their three non-conference games, and a Colorado team that was horrible in 2022. I'm glossing over his head coaching section at UCLA because it's our most recent sample size of who he is as a head coach. And it he showed at UCLA that he still has tricks up his sleeve. He can still build a program. But UCLA is has not been and will likely never be what Oregon is. And I don't think Chip Kelly is as good of a head coach as he used to be. You know, times have changed. The game has changed. He doesn't have the same resources that he did at Oregon. At Oregon, he compiled a 46-7 and record and only lost three conference games and constantly had top five offenses in 2010, 2011, and 2012. And even in 2009, when his quarterback, Jeremiah Masali, only had a 129.5 passer rating, which isn't really good, they still scored 36.1 points per game, which was the eighth best scoring offense in the country. They went 10-3 and that year, losing to a Jim Trussell Ohio State team in the 2009 Rose Bowl. In 2010, Oregon scored 47 points per game. 
they ran for 286.2 yards per game on 48.4 attempts. They averaged nearly six yards per carry and ran for 3.2 touchdowns per game. This is a team that featured LaMichael James, who had nearly 2,000 rushing yards. They had a strong offensive line. A Darren Thomas, starting quarterback, passed for nearly 3,000 yards, rushed for nearly 500, and had 35 total touchdowns and a respectable passer rating of a 151.0. Team went 12-1, and was competitive against Auburn in the BCS national title game. That might be the closest that Oregon ever gets to a national championship. I said might because Dan Landing's doing a great job at Oregon, but we'll just have to wait and see. He built that offense. He did, and his offensive coordinator was Mark Helfrich, and Scott Frost was the wide receivers coach, and I think at one time passing game coordinator on that offense as well, on that team. It was a very elite staff, particularly on the offensive side of the ball, because in 2010 and 2011, and 2012, those three seasons where Kelly had a top-five offense and potentially one of the most efficient offenses in the country given their talent, they were never inside the top 10 in scoring defense. In fact, the following year in 2011, they scored 46.1 points per game. Darren Thomas was awesome. LaMichael James was back, and he averaged over seven yards per carry. And Kenjin Barner was a great backup running back. Oregon that season averaged even more yards per carry 6.7 and rushing yards 299 on less attempts but their defense was 52nd in scoring and in 2012 Oregon scored 49.6 points per game but the scoring defense allowed 21.6 which was 25th nationally they rushed for 315 yards per game that year after 299 and then I think around 290 in 2011 and 2010 respectively The point is that Chip Kelly is a wizard offensively. I mean, he helped institute the spread. He did. Urban Meyer came before him. But Chip Kelly and those flashy Oregon, not just uniforms, but offenses, that stuck around. And he influenced Ryan Day. Ryan Day's offense was inspired by Chip Kelly. And I think that this is the perfect landing spot for the former head coach, because I think that a Chip Kelly offense, a spread option, a team that likes to run the football, or a system that likes to run the football combined with a team in Ohio State that's trying to run the football more, and that brought in Quinshawn Judkins that has a quarterback in Will Howard who's going to be the most run-heavy quarterback under Ryan Day since his first in Justin Fields, who's awesome on the ground. I think that this is a match made in heaven. I think that this fulfills Ohio State's needs, and it also fulfills Chip Kelly's needs. He didn't get fired at UCLA. He resigned. That looks more respectable on the resume. And now, if Ohio State beats Michigan, if they win the national championship this year, or at least get far along in the playoff and win the Big Ten, a lot of that will go to Chip Kelly's credit. I'm telling you that right now. The defense is going to be about the same, maybe a little better, maybe a little worse under Jim Knowles. The offense after last year and how much that talent was mismanaged, that's going to be the area of focus. All the focus is going to be on Ryan Day, Brian Hartline, Justin Fry, Tony Alford, and Chip Kelly, and any of the other assistants on the offensive side of the ball. That is where the focus is going to be. So what does this mean? 
what this hire means is I think Ohio State is going to run the football more, which is something they've been trying to do ever since that 2021 loss to Michigan, but it will be in an effective way. It won't be in a forced way. It won't be in the way where in 2022 you have C.J. Stroud, you have Marvin Harrison Jr., you have Ibuka, you have you have Fleming. And instead of using that talent along with Cade Stover, what you do is you run the football when it isn't there. Or against Michigan, for example, you don't start Dallin Hayden. You start Chip Trainum. You only use him, and at times your play calling in that game is just bogus because you're trying to be physical. What you're trying to do is respond. You're being reactive. Ryan Day was very reactive in 2022 and 2023 rather than adaptive. You want to find a balance in life and in sports between revolutionary and between new and about sticking to what you know and about being reactive. You want to find a balance between those things. Being adaptive is a great start, and I think Chip Kelly is an adaptive offensive coordinator, an adaptive offensive mind. And his acumen with running the football and having a strong offense, offensive line and running back in particular, and athletic receivers who are fast, who can block, that'll mesh as well with Ohio State's needs. They returned six starters from 2023's offense, and five out of six are either offensive linemen or running backs. Josh Fryer and Josh Simmons are back at tackle. Donovan Jackson's back at guard. Carson Hinsman is back at center. And Travion Henderson's back at running back. The other starter is a Mecca Igbuka wide receiver. Six. And Igbuka is a five-star of high school. Igbuka is still a player who can use development. He's not a unicorn like Marvin Harrison Jr. He's good. He's elite, but has a little bit of health concerns and isn't the player Marvin Harrison Jr. was. I think this offense will really benefit him benefit these returning starters. And Chip Kelly is known again for the spread option. This offense is run heavy. It fits well with Ohio State's personnel. You have Quinshawn Judkins, who just makes people miss tackles, is very good at using his feet. He recovered from injury last season. He was playing hurt last year, still put up a thousand rushing yards. And then there's Henderson, who's more of the home run hitter. You got a nice complement of running backs in this room. It reminds me a lot of last year's running back room, except health concerns got in the way. The offensive line was horrific at times. And because of Henderson's injury, Williams' injury at times, I think talent was misused, mismanaged, the confusion with play calling. I think that all of that didn't benefit what could have been a very strong Ohio State run game. But it is what it is. That was an incorrect prediction of mine is that Ohio State would have one of the strongest running rooms in the running back rooms and run rushing offenses in the country last season, but that didn't bear fruit. Something I was wrong on. Ohio State also has talent at receiver. We know this. For example, Jeremiah Smith, I think number one overall player in the 2024 recruiting class, he's at Ohio State right now. And before him, Brandon Innes, Carnell Tate, five stars. Still a five-star Emeka Igbuka on the team, high four-star Jaden Ballard, and other 
high level four stars like him are ready to have breakout performances because of the departures of Fleming and Marvin Harrison Jr. There is so much intrigue going into who's going to start next season for Ohio State. My expectation would be probably Emeka Egbuka, Jaden Ballard, and definitely Carnell Tate, but there's some wiggle room there, especially at a position that's been very important to Ohio State. The wide receiver room for Ohio State has been more important than any 14-team Big Ten program. I say that because Oregon, Washington, USC have really relied on their wide receivers. Ohio State under Day really has ran closer to a, I would say, Pac-12, Big 12, ACCS. It's really just an anti-Big Ten offense, if we're being honest. That is Ryan Day's best offense, is the anti-Big Ten offense. When in 2021, they passed more than they ran, and they had an elite quarterback, elite receivers, a run game that was competent, an O-line that was good, great. That's the peak Ryan Day offense. That's what he knows how to run. This Chip Kelly offense, I think, is more physical than Ryan Day's offense. Now, in saying that, I don't think it's going to be as efficient at passing the ball. But the Big Ten is a conference of defenses, which Ohio State has checked that box with Jim Knowles and the fact that they're returning, look, they're returning like eight or seven starters on the defensive side of the ball, depending on whether you count Michael Hall Jr. as a starter or a rotational player, but I'll count him as a starter. It's still seven returning starters. Most of the D-line's coming back. Most of the secondary's coming back. And Ohio State got Caleb Downs in the portal. It's a big get. They'll have the best secondary in the country next season. The defense box is checked. The offense, like I said a few minutes ago, that's going to be the area of focus in regards to Ohio State entering 2024. This is an upgrade over O'Brien. Kelly, he, his play calls will help Ryan Day's offense become more punctual and lethal. I don't think it will be as disorganized or confusing. Now, coaches will do things that are confusing to the viewer, that are confusing to the analyst, and they work. That's called improvising. That's called being outside of the box. That's called being bold. Uh, Ryan Day, whether it's the wide receiver end around on fourth and short against Notre Dame, whether it's being at times, according to some, too conservative against Michigan, I felt like to a certain degree he was, but really the, the turnovers were more important than the conservative play calls in that game. I thought Ryan Day did a much better job against Michigan than against most other teams this year. Whether it's the fourth and two wide receiver screen pass, fourth and goal really, but from the two-yard line against Penn State when he can just then and there go up by double digits. Ryan Day is a reactive play caller. He is right. This is right now. I think he's an elite play caller when... He doesn't have the whole pressure of the world bearing on his shoulders. That's really anyone. When you have that much pressure and you're already trying to manage a whole team, the last thing you need is extra responsibility. There hasn't been a single head coach who's won a national championship in the playoff era who's also the primary play caller. So that goes for anyone. It's not just a Ryan Day thing. Day, I think, is a very good head coach. In fact, Right now, in part because of Nick Saban and Jim Harbaugh leaving college football, he's consequentially, in my opinion, a top five, top four head coach right now. His problem is 
He's reactive. He's trying to prove that Ohio State's physical. And he's trying to control the offense. And it's kicking him and his team in the butt. Hiring Chip Kelly and making the courageous move to give up play calls is good on the part of Ryan Day. He deserves kudos and congratulations for that. Now, will his team beat Michigan this fall? Will they win the Big Ten? Will they win the national championship? Who knows? But this is an upgrade over Bill O'Brien, for sure. The offensive play calling will be better. It will be more methodical. The team offensively will be more disciplined. I think that they will be better trained. And I think the offense will be more explosive, particularly in the ground game and on a more consistent basis. Instead of just two, three, or four-yard carries and then Henderson hits a home runner, it will be more like if all plays out well, four, five, six, seven, maybe a 10 or 15-yard carry. And on top of that, you still get the large pops to the end zone. It'll be a much more efficient ground game and offense overall. Will Howard, he's athletic, he's gutsy. Combine him with Judkins and Henderson's explosiveness, that's scary. That's a three-headed monster in the ground game. And it'll blow up most college football defenses, I think. If Michigan's able to maintain Mason Graham and Kenneth Grant and prevent them going to the portal, which I think they will, but... Maybe that's misguided optimism. Michigan will have one of the few defenses that could probably limit this offense. Again, barring on some conditions. And by limit, I don't mean stop. I mean limit, which means you have to do something on the offensive side of the ball, but maybe you can force a punt or two or something of the sort. And that's a high compliment because Michigan returns most of their two deep from defense last season, a defense that was one of the best in the college football playoff era, one of the best in the 21st century. And they have great players at the D-line. And they brought in Jason Barnham at linebacker, and their secondary is good. And the reason I'm talking about Michigan so much is, well, that's the comparison right now. Ohio State is, you can't dispute it. They are not the team who runs the Big Ten. Because of all that's gone on at Michigan, they may now be the Big Ten's best program because Michigan's lost so much of their program and staff and team. But in terms of reputation and history, it's now Michigan who for now controls this conference. They've won it three years in a row. They've won a national title. They've won playoff games in the past three years. Ohio State has none of those things, not even a Big Ten championship game appearance. But that's just one of the probably handful of defenses the number of those that could probably hold up on one of my hands that could limit this Ohio State offense. I mean, my opinion of this offense changed significantly after I heard that Kelly was being hired and O'Brien was definitely gone. Uh, but on the condition that I was talking about earlier, the offensive line now has to improve. This offense, more so than O'Brien's, actually, relies on a good offensive line. If this offensive line is bad, like last year's was, or not bad. Last year's O-line was average, I would say, above average at the end of the year. If it's not good, not great, you really want to be a near elite or elite O-line with how much talent is returning. If it's not any of those things, then this offense will be horrific. It will look like last year's UCLA offense with more explosiveness because of the superior talent, and you do not want to be in that position if you're Ohio State, the offensive line needs 
to be good. That is the, that's going to be the focal point. It's going to be the identity of this offense, will be the O-line. It has to produce. It has to. Will Howard will be more comfortable under pressure, I think, just because he has more starts under his belt and has more athleticism compared to Kyle McCord. But giving him and Kelly and Henderson and Judkins and also the receivers a great supporting cast will help the offense a lot. And speaking of the receivers, I think Hartline needs to focus on blocking and speed. Speed is in explosiveness, is in top-end acceleration and just speed in general, but blocking as well. Scott Frost, under both Chip Kelly and Mark Helfrich, was known for developing receivers who were very physical and could hold their blocks, and also receivers that were incredibly fast. Ohio State has had speed and athleticism and also freak contested catch ability. That, that's really been the focal point of these receivers under Day has been their contested catch. They can catch footballs where it's like, whoa, the defensive back covered that perfectly and it didn't matter. That's great. But speed and blocking will help a Chip Kelly offense tremendously. And I just think that O'Brien's departure is a blessing in disguise because of Kelly's success. I think that my overall opinion of Ohio State has been raised after this hire. My optimism about their direction as a team and program and their chances of winning it all and beating Michigan and winning the Big Ten next season have improved. In the case of the national championship, I would say they've improved significantly. And this is a great move by Ryan Day in Ohio State football. Thank you all so much for watching this video. Remember to like this video, subscribe to the channel, click the notification bell, and comment your thoughts down below. Thanks to Crash2488 and Justin Rog for being Heisman patrons of the month of February. Thanks to Spencer Bringhurst and Armani Torres for being All-American patrons of the month of February. And thanks to Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, Roaming Gnome, Matthew Sale, Chris Lane, Austin Christmas, and Zubin Zah, and Janisha Cockrell for being All-Conference patrons in the month of February. Remember to check out my Patreon page via the link in the channel or channel and video description or the pinned comment. Have a great day, guys, and if you're listening on Spotify, make sure to follow the channel. Bye-bye.